Hello, and welcome to the Real Life Real Talk Podcast. I am your host, William Carr. When we turn on the media, we are likely to hear about fighting, discontentment, disagreement between people of different nations. There are wars and rumors of wars. In the words of Edwin Starr, a singer and performer who asked the question, War, what is it good for? And his immediate response is, absolutely nothing. I do not have enough time left in my life to attempt to explain why or have enough intellect to adequately offer a satisfactory explanation to that question. In today's podcast, I will share some thoughts on the conversation about war. Let me hurry to say, I am not trying to persuade your conviction one way or another about war. This is just another point of view to consider. Our conversation today is titled, Our Warfare is Not Carnal, but Spirit. Let's get started. War is an intense armed conflict between states, governments, societies, or paramilitary groups such as mercenaries, insurgents, and militias. It is generally characterized by extreme violence, destruction, and mortality using regular or irregular military forces. War, defined by Webster's Dictionary, is a state of open and declared hostile armed conflict between states or nations or a period of such conflict. This captures a particularly political, rationalistic account of war and warfare. That war needs to be explicitly declared to be between states to be a war. Sun Tzu states, the auto war is of vital importance to the state. It is a matter of life and death, a road either to safety or to ruin. Hence, it is a subject of inquiry which can on no account be neglected." End of quote. So begins the art of war, a mediation on the rules of war that were first published in China. Historians do not know the exact date of the book's publication, though they believe it to be in the 4th or 5th century. In fact, they do not even know who wrote it. Scholars have long believed that the Art of War's author was a Chinese military leader named Sun Tzu. Today, however, many people think there was no Sun Tzu. Instead, they argue the book is a compilation of generations of Chinese theories and teaching on military strategy. Whether or not Sun Tzu was a real person, he was wise. The auto war still resonates with readers today. Scholars do not know how the art of war came to be and whether Sun Tzu, if he existed, had anything to do with its creation. What they do know is that copies of the book, typically written on sets of sewn together bamboo slats, ended up in the hands of politicians, military leaders, and scholars across China. From there, translated copies of Sun Tzu's work found their way to Korea and Japan. The oldest Japanese version dates from the 8th century AD. In the document, The Art of War, Sun Tzu lists 13 components of war. 
I will share the 13 components, but I will not elaborate on all 13. The first one is laying plans. Second, on waging war. Third, the sheeted sword. Four, tactics. Five, energy. Six, weak points and strong. Seven, maneuvering. Eight, variations of tactics. Nine, the army on the march. Ten, terrain. Eleven, the nine situations. Twelve, attacks by fire. And thirteen, the use of spies. The order war is governed by five constant factors, all of which need to be considered. The um, moral law, heaven, earth, the commander, method, and discipline. Moral law causes the people to be in complete accord with their ruler so that they will follow him regardless of their lives, undismayed by any danger. Heaven signifies night and day, cold and heat, times and season. Earth comprises distant, great and small, danger and security, open ground and narrow passes, the chances of life and death. The commander stands for the virtues of wisdom, sincerity, benevolence, courage, and strictness. By method and discipline, are to be understood the marshalling of the army and its proper subdivisions, degradations of rank among the officers, the maintenance of roads by which supplies may reach the army, and the control of military expenditures. These five factors should be familiar to every general. There are no real benefits from warfare. One of the single most important lessons throughout the war is that despite being a continuous part of life that humans intentionally engage in, conflict, if prolonged, hurts everyone involved. This is a suggested list of benefits of what is hoped to be gained from war. Economic stimulation of manufacturing and development of products, stimulation of improvements to pre-existing products, control over and uniting a diverse population by focusing their attention on a common enemy and huge scientific progress in different fields. War has specific battle strategies and advisement. It stresses preparation for battle above all, including planning around climate and battle terrain, studying the enemy's movements and weaknesses, and proper training of soldiers. Despite its tragedies, War allows a country to gain new land or to protect its land or interests from would-be invaders. Also, war and the threat of war contribute to major economic sectors, including technology and manufacturing companies that provide equipment, supplies, and services used by the military. The dictionary defines victory as defeating an enemy or an opponent. Under this definition, the problem becomes simply knowing what it means to defeat the enemy. In the previous statements, the war or wars I described are carnal war or wars. This kind of war is a fleshly or frugal war. Battles are fought, lost, or won, but no one really wins. 
there is no real victory in carnal warfare. There are two kinds of warfare, carnal and spiritual. The warfare Sun Tzu outlines is carnal warfare. Spiritual warfare is different. The weapons are different, the outcomes are different, and the weapons are available to individuals who can represent an army. Also, the benefits of a spiritual war are available to everyone. This is what the scripture says about spiritual warfare. In 2 Corinthians, or starting with verses 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In the book of James, chapter 4, it reads, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Your desires but do not heal, so you kill. You curve it, but you cannot get what you want, so you crawl and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask what wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means immunity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is what scripture says. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord. 1 John 4 records, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Well, you have heard that it shall come, and even now already is in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knows God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knows not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us 
and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfect in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he has given us of the, his spirit, and he will lift you up. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, it reads, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. In the book of Matthew, chapter 4, it is recorded, And then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test again. The devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. 2 John verses 7 through 11 I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandment. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, you shall walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world, who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. 
This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we see, but we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresses and abides not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come in unto you, and bring in not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speed. For he that bids him God speed is partaker of his evil deeds. This concludes our first portion of our topic, Our Warfare is Not Carnal but spiritual. In the next session, part two, we will discuss what are the weapons we need for spiritual warfare. Until then, keep it real. Mm-hmm.